I love uh, superhero origins movies where they go back to the beginning of the superhero. So, for example, Batman Begins, where Bruce Wayne watches his parents die and then he promises to fight evil and then he faces his deepest fear, which is, anyone seen it? What's his deepest fear? Bats, that's right. And he goes into the cave and he faces the bats and he becomes Batman. Or Spider-Man, where Peter Parker, the nerd at school, gets bitten by... A radioactive spider. spider. (laughs) We have another person who loves origin movies. And he gets the spider's abilities and he becomes Spider-Man. Or Superman, where he's sent from the planet... Absolutely... (laughs) And he comes to earth and the sun's rays make him super strong. Going back to a person's beginnings can help you understand who they are. That's that's just movies. But it's also true in real life. Last year, I read Steve Jobs' biography. He was the guy who started Apple. And right at the start, it talks about how he was adopted. It talks about how he knew from a young age that he was adopted. When he was six years old... He told the girl across the street that he was adopted and she said, does that mean your real parents didn't want you? And he was in tears and he went into his mum and dad and he said, did you not want me, his adopted parents? And they said, we specifically picked you out. And the writer goes on to say, abandoned, chosen, special, Those concepts became part of who Steve Jobs was and how he regarded himself. It made him independent. He followed the beat of a different drum and that came from being in a different world than he was born into. And the whole book follows that theme. Going back to a person's beginnings can help you understand who they are. Now, over the past three weeks, we've been looking at three biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and they all go back to the beginning. You might remember Matthew started with Jesus' family tree, all the way back to Abraham. Mark began with predictions about Jesus before he was born. Luke began by telling us about the reliability of the original historical records, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, that beginning. In one way or another, they all start at the beginning because going back to a person's beginnings can help you understand who they are. Well, today we're looking at John's biography. John was a close friend of Jesus, a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Where does John start his biography? Well, he goes back to the beginning, but it's not the beginning we might expect. It's not Jesus' birth. It's not his parents. It's not his great-grandparents. John goes all the way back to before the world existed. Look with me at John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, when John talks about the word there, he's talking about Jesus, not Jesus the man. Have a look in verse 14. It's really the punchline, but it'll help us to see it here now. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
That's talking about the person of Jesus. So the word is what John calls Jesus before he was born. Jesus existed not just before he was born, but before the world existed. And John wants to take us all the way back to that beginning when there was just God the Father and Jesus as the Word and the Spirit. And he wants to show us two very important things about who Jesus is. Now we find out the first in verse 3 and 4. Jesus is the source of life. Okay, look at John 1 verse 3. Through him, through the word, that is Jesus before he became a man, way back then, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. John is saying that everything in this universe had, has its existence because of Jesus. He made Everything, everything that has life gets its life from Jesus. He's the one who breathed life into us. He is the source of life. And so it's no wonder that when Jesus did come as a man, which is what the whole Gospel of John is about, he could give people life. And as you read on in John, and I encourage you to do that, it is just story after story of Jesus offering people life. So you only have to get to chapter 3. And you meet a fellow called Nicodemus. He's a very religious fellow. He's a good fellow. But very early on in the conversation, Jesus points out to this Nicodemus that he, Nicodemus does not have life, good as he is. And Jesus offers Nicodemus eternal life. And then in the very next chapter of John's Gospel, chapter 4, Jesus talks with almost the complete opposite. He talks with a woman who is not religious at all. She's living with a woman who's she's living with a man who she's not married to. But Jesus does exactly the same thing with her. He offers her eternal life. How can Jesus do that? How can he just walk up to people and offer them life? What is he actually offering them? How can he say that? It's because Jesus is the source of all life. He was the one who made us way back in the beginning. And even though since then we have come so far from that point, even though now in our natural states we're so far from God that Jesus would call us dead, spiritually dead, it doesn't matter how dead we are, how far from God we are, how much we've messed up, Jesus can bring us life relationship with God. Jesus made us. He can remake us. He can give us new birth. Not, after, not long after I left home, um, I came back to Yenda on my uni holidays and I got a job at the rice mill. And I saved up my pay packets and I purchased my Maton guitar. It was beautiful. It smelt beautiful, it sounded beautiful, and I played it, and I played it. Now, Maton guitars are meant to get better with age, so the older they are, the better they sound. But mine didn't, because I dropped it a couple of times. I was in a caravan park at Beach Mission once playing it, and the boom cake came down from behind me and whacked the guitar on the top, and it smashed onto the ground. I left it in the car a couple of times in the sun. And so after about 20 years of this kind of treatment, 
My mate and guitar sounded terrible. It wouldn't even tune up properly. I took it to a shop in Sydney and they could not even get it to tune up. I didn't know what to do with it. But I had heard that Maiton could fix any guitar, the actual Maiton factory down in Melbourne. I'd heard stories of people who had their Maiton guitar run over by a car, <laughs> sent it into Maiton, and they'd fix it for free. So I packed up my guitar into its case, I sent it down to Maiton in Melbourne, and when it came back, I could not believe it. It was like a new guitar. They were the ones who made it in the first place. They were the ones who could remake it. And friends, when we have wrecked our lives, when we've made a mess of our lives, there is one place to go to have your life remade. That's back to the one who gave you life in the first place, to Jesus. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the way Jesus gives us life. He died in our place. Jesus, who is life, died so that we who are spiritually dead can have life through him. The death we deserve for turning away from God, he took that in our place and he can give life to those who come to him. Now let's be clear here. Jesus is not talking about improving your life. He's talking about giving you eternal life. There's lots of things that might improve your life. I found the last year or two that yoga improves your life. I love yoga. I started doing yoga. It's just sort of stretchy stuff and it loosens my back and it relieves the tension and it relaxes me. It's kind of like a massage, but I don't need anyone else to give it to me. It is great. It improves my life, but it doesn't give me eternal life. I've got a book called Getting Things Done by Dave Allen, which is how to organise your life. Now, many of you know I'm very disorganised. So when I start to write to-do lists and plan things, my life gets better. It just works better. It improves my life when I follow his system. But it doesn't give me eternal life. It doesn't give me spiritual life. It doesn't connect me with the God who made me. Now, we've all got things that might improve our life, but we can still be spiritually dead. Jesus is the source of life, true life, eternal life relationship with God and in fact right at the ends of John's biography we won't look it up now but right at the end in chapter 20 verse 30 John says Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name so it's not just about them back there. Jesus offers you and me eternal life. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. When I get to that point, I, I just, I don't know if it makes you wonder, but I just wonder, why don't more people come to Jesus? If it's really that good, why doesn't everyone want to hear about Jesus? Why don't people get excited when I talk about him? Why doesn't everyone want eternal life? Why are some people opposed to Jesus? 
Now, that's not a new problem. That was a problem in Jesus' own day. By the end of John's Gospel, Jesus is killed. Why? Jesus was the most peaceful, lovely, caring person who ever lived. Read through John's Gospel and you find account after account where Jesus is loving people who no one else loved. He helps people who no one else would help or could help. He does wonderful miracles of helping people and giving blind people sight. If he was so loving and so caring, why did people hate him? Well, to help us understand that, John goes on in this opening uh, chapter of his gospel to tell us a second important thing about Jesus. That is that Jesus is not just the life, he's the light. And this world is in darkness and most people don't want light. Look with me back at John chapter 1, this time verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now remember, we're talking about the beginning here, long before Jesus was born, this world was in darkness. And ever since this world was made, God's light has been shining into the world. We can know there is a God just from the world that is made, but people don't get it because they're in darkness. And so when Jesus did, when the light came into the world as a man, not everyone welcomed him. In fact, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, the fellow I mentioned earlier in chapter 3, this is what we read. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Jesus is the light, but not everyone wants the light. It's a bit like the difference between moths and cockroaches. Moths love the light. You turn on the light at night and the moths can't help themselves. The, the light is a moth magnet. They just go to the light. Cockroaches hate the light. During the daytime, they hide in the darkness. And then at nighttime, when you go to bed, the cockroaches come out to explore. We had a house in Sydney that we could not get rid of the cockroaches. We would bomb them. They'd disappear and then they'd all move back in from next door a few weeks later. And if you stumble in the darkness out into the kitchen and in the middle of the night to get a drink and you flip the light on, there's suddenly this frenzy of activity and all the cockroaches just run for cover in all directions trying to escape from the light. John says that's how some people respond to Jesus. People respond in one of two ways. They either are drawn to him because they want the light and they recognize in Jesus' life or they try to get as far away from Jesus as they can because they don't want to be exposed. And you may notice that when you talk to people. It can be as innocent as inviting someone to the Christmas carols last week 
or simply talking about what you plan to do at Christmas time and you start to go anywhere near Jesus in the conversation and people will turn the conversation around a mile away. And some people are happy to talk about any religious idea under the sun except for Jesus. And some people are happy to talk about anything that interests you as a person. They like you. They want to hear about what movies you like. They want to hear about what hobbies you do. They want to hear about what books you read. So long as you don't talk about Jesus. Or maybe that person who is afraid of the light is you here this morning. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, but there's part of you that... that, feels a bit uncomfortable about it, maybe Jesus will expose you or something. That is true. He will. He will uncover all the darkness. But you have to understand the darkness that you're in before you can have life. To stay in the darkness is to shut your eyes to the truth. To stay in the darkness is to miss out on life. Way back when our eldest son Ben was at preschool... The preschool teachers told us that Ben had trouble with his hearing. Now, we knew that Ben didn't listen to us sometimes, but we just thought he was a bit absent-minded. He was so involved with his Lego or Duplo that he, he was just shutting out everything. Or we asked him to do a job like pack up your Lego, and he just didn't want to hear that. But just in case, we took him to a hearing specialist, and it turned out that his ears were so blocked up with an infection that he only had 30% hearing. So we took him to an ear doctor over in Orange and in one appointment he cleaned out all the gunk from Ben's ears and his hearing was instantly fixed. And on the, as we walked out of the doctor's surgery, Ben said, Mum, why is this room so loud? And then all the way home in the car he had his fingers in his ears because the car was too loud. And when we got home, instead of the TV being on 100, he now wanted it down on 30. Now, Ben hadn't known anything else. He didn't know there was something wrong with his hearing. He had nothing to compare it to. We didn't even notice. He needed the hearing specialist to say there was something wrong and then to fix it. Now, that is what Jesus does. He is the light. He shows us what is wrong with our lives. And he's the life. He's the one who can fix it. It may be that you are here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus and you do not even know what you're missing out on. But Jesus says, if you do not know him, you do not have life. Look, you might be enjoying the good things of this life that God gives us, but don't let them blind you to the best thing. Don't settle for anything less than knowing the God who made you. And the way to know him is simple, really. You just have to come to him and own up to the fact that you've been living in the darkness. Turn to Jesus. Ask him for forgiveness. And in doing so, find life. And Christmas is a great time to think about these things. Because Christmas is about the birth of Jesus when the light and the life came into the world. And so if you're a Christian and you're here this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, at Christmas, we don't just celebrate Jesus' birth, do we? We celebrate his life and his death and his resurrection. 
And we celebrate that in all of that he won for us eternal life. But it might be that you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Do you see what Jesus is offering? Life. The opportunity to come out of darkness, to end your searching for some kind of spirituality or God, but to come back actually to the God who made you, to have life with God, life to the full. Now this offers not for any particular type of person. It's for everyone. It's for bad people who know they're in the darkness, who know their life is a mess. Like the Samaritan woman who was married five times and living with a fellow she wasn't married to. It is for people who know they desperately need light. But it's also for people who think they're good. Religious, like Nicodemus, who think they're good, but really they're in the darkness like the rest of us. This offer is for anyone who'll come to Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, hear clearly Jesus is offering you life and in that life to find light, purpose and meaning for your life. You can do that today. Come and talk to myself, come and talk to Al, talk to the person who you came to church with. Imagine if this Christmas was not just about the beginning of Jesus. Imagine if it was about your beginning, your rebirth, the, start, the day that you received eternal life, the start of your relationship with God. Wow, that would be a Christmas worth celebrating. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray that this Christmas you might come to know him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that time back in our lives when we first heard about him. And though it made us so uncomfortable to know that we had treated you so badly. Though it made us feel awkward and terrible to know that we'd turned away from you. Thank you that with, when the light came into our lives and exposed the darkness within us, at the same time, you offered us life. Thanks that you offer us forgiveness for all that we've done wrong. And thank you that you shine your light, the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus into our lives so that you might give us eternal life, so that we might come to know you. There's plenty of people who we know who don't yet know Jesus and sometimes it can be scary talking to about them about it. Sometimes we're not sure how they'll respond, but we pray that the people around us might come to see Jesus for who he really is. And Father, wherever we may be at Christmas time, we pray that you might open doors in the conversation just that we might be able to challenge people about where, what Jesus means to them. And Father, we just thank you for Jesus, that he is life. And that it's not by what we do, but it's by what he has done for us. 
And we, we really do celebrate him this Christmas. And we celebrate the joy that he brings. Amen. Well, we're going to end with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, keep an eye out.